30 seconds and counting. Astronauts report it feels good. T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition FPGA there uh, for all the FPGA uh, custom chipset needs. And it was beautifully designed and I cannot find it anymore. I don't have schematics. I don't know what happened, but it's, it's, it's one of my favorite. And plethora of others. So this one, for example, M5 has a ROM chip. You can put the kickstart there. It's also Spartan 6, very similar to this guy. And one thing to mention, uh, all these FPGA systems, they're very similar. I mean, they're based on this, uh, you know, reference design and uh, the cores they're running, they're also very similar. And, and, you know, it's not that difficult making these. They're very iterative systems. Like, uh, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, many, uh, they, these boards, they look different, but, you know, many of them, they run the same software. Then there is a free FPGA. This is tiny little system, very cheap, but it can run Amiga 500 among other things. Uh, all these systems here that you're looking at are uh, AGA capable, um, Signbinder. I'm also playing with this one. I have a board and I'm assembling this one right now. Uh, Open AARS, it's fantastic because you can put this FPGA board on the top. And uh, uh, this one is a Chinese product, very cheap, maybe 20, $30. You don't need to solder anything. You just need to assemble this uh, daughter board. And this daughter board has a floppy header as well. So this system hopefully once completely uh, released and done, still in development will support floppy and external floppy, which is pretty cool. Um, and runs fast, runs HDA. You probably know about Anamiga, the, the, the very similar again, um, Altera system that has this header that looks like Amiga board so you can replace your Amiga. You can, you can plug in the Amiga keyboard inside and, and all that stuff. Uh, there is an Amiga that looks more like a PC for, for that uh, great uh, Checkmate case. You can put it inside. Uh, and this is also yet another system called FPGA Arcade Board, uh, designed for arcade games, uh, but can also run Amiga and, and can also have 60060, which is fantastic. But it's difficult to find. It's not produced anymore. And, that, that's the common thing. You will see these boards come and go. As for the performance, uh, it's not so bad. If you look at the first column, you're looking at the Minimic and it's very formidable. This thing, even though it's so old, it can um, go one-to-one -one with the Mega 3000 um, running 68, 30 and 25 megahertz. This is IO with um, super peak. It's about two megabytes per second. Then the, the middle line is uh, Mr. and Mist. You're looking at the, the pretty good performance that's getting close to Mega 4000. And then finally, Vampire that's, that trumps everything. It's just like super fast. Uh, this guy is phenomenal and so forth. You're looking at at least one megabyte per second. I think it can go even faster. Um, and some of the sites of interest, this is original site for Minimic. You can go here and you can download Gerber files, um, BOM, uh, build of materials so you can order the parts. Um, you can send the BOM to the fab in, in any fab in the world and you can get the boards and you can start assembling. It's beautiful. Um, best way to get Minimig is to assemble it yourself. So you, this is a good starting point. 
Um, then there is this uh, other site where you can get the schematic and, and all the information about the variations of the Minimix, talking about the, this ATX, ITX version. And the next slide is, uh, I hope we have enough time. Uh, the next slide is how I produce this board. So I have, um, I don't know if you guys uh, into electronics, but I have this stencil printer uh, in upper left corner that I'm using to apply the solder paste on the board. So you put the board and then you close the stencil printer, you put the solder paste, then you have a squeegee and you just run uh, on the top. Uh, and then you put the thing with the solder paste into pick and place machine and pick and place machine have these reels. So, so these, these things that looks like a, uh, some old uh, school audio ta tapes, they're actually inside their electric, uh, electronic components and the pick and place machine will, uh, it's kind of a little robotic arm, will pick up these components and put them the, on the minimum board. And that's how I can make five or 10 per day because I'm not doing it, machine is doing it. And then finally, um, th these boards, they go to reflow oven. So this thing in the lower right corner is the reflow oven. You put minimix inside, you create a special thermal profile how the temperature will rise up and cool down. Uh, every board has a little bit different, so you need to uh, try try and fail until you figure it out. And uh, it will just solder everything. Uh, the, uh, you know, it's called reflow because the also these components will flow a little bit and, and get into the right place. Um, it's kind of like magic when you look at it. It's just it's just beautiful. Um, one thing we're mentioning, the, the fine pitch components, I still didn't figure out how to do with the stencil. Maybe my stencil is not good enough. Uh, fine pitch components I'm uh, soldering manually because otherwise I'll get bridges and I need to rework uh, uh, everything and it's, it's, it's catastrophe, so I don't do that. Um, what else you need of equipment? Well, you don't need all this. You, need, you just need one nice soldering iron to, to assemble Minimic. For example, like this one here in the corner, I suggest a Valor 1010. It's a very nice uh, starting uh, kit. But if you're doing a lot of uh, electronics and assembling, then I suggest a little bit of um, equipment. So you'll need typically a oscilloscope to see if the signal is right, if you have some interference or something's broken or whatever. Then I'm using uh, VXR3. This is a, a rework station. It's just a phenomenal high-end professional thing. Uh, again, on the lower left corner, you can see all the uh, soldering irons um, that uh, there is this suction pump that can uh, desolder stuff. Then there is this um, uh, heat uh, gun that will blow the ho uh, hot air so you can desolder chips in like, I don't know, maybe a couple of seconds. It's just a phenomenal thing. And then, I have more stuff. I have these Pico and Nano soldering uh, irons that can actually solder the, the tiniest components manually. Just beautiful thing. You need some sort of microscope. Um, if you're making one, not necessarily, you don't even need it. But if you're making 10 or you're just producing something cheap, uh, Chinese microscope from Alibaba will do. They're very good. All of these microscopes are, are pretty awesome. Uh, random picture uh, is this, let me just mute it is this thing that I made. Uh, this is um, a case that I mentioned for, the, for this thing. So you have a floppy, you, you power on this thing, it will become Amiga. You push the floppy inside, pops your uncle. You bring up workbench games, whatever. Below you have SD card that actually has your workbench and everything else uh, as a hard drive. So you can run WHD load games. Th these games run pretty well here because this thing has a, uh, it has 128 megabits of RAM, but 
Amiga is using about, I don't know, five or six, which is enough for double HD load. So uh, there you go. This is a random thing. I didn't know where to put it, so I put it here. So why do I like Mimic? Uh, again, disclaimer. Uh, this is not the greatest system out there, uh, but it is, uh, it is good for a couple of reasons. It is historical system for Amiga. It's one of the first, if not the first FPGA system. It feels like Amiga when you hold it in your hand. It's um, it's just it's just super cute. I mean, this kind of reminds me of, of, of Amiga in so many ways. And um, why would you get it? Well, first of all, I don't think you should get it necessarily. But if you're into this stuff and you like to collect these boards and play with the different boards, then maybe you should consider it for a couple of reasons. One, it runs a 68K CPU on 50 megahertz, which is very very interesting performance uh, mark for certain 3D games and Amiga games. Um, Minimink was designed to be Amiga. So this is not an industrial, um, very generic platform that uh, you know someone just added a couple of ports. It, it, from the get-go was Amiga. Uh, it's, it's again, one of the first, if not the first FPGA system uh, uh, available for the public. Uh, it runs very mature Amiga core and uh, you'll probably be surprised with the level of compatibility and how good this is. Uh, it's easy to build and modify. Again, don't buy it, build it yourself. It's, it's, it's a great exercise um, and it's, it's a beautiful journey, I think. Um, it has um, really good compatibility with the OCS, ECS, and EGAS. I, I guess this statement is redundant uh, with, the, with the software library. And uh, it's great for Amiga collectors. I have all these boards that I've shown you today. Most of them I have, and uh, this, is, um, this is one of my favorite pieces of, of my collection. Where do we go from here? So uh, I kind of decided to contribute uh, to the community and give something back. Uh, since I'm learning um, uh, Altium and KiCad and all that stuff, uh, today I finished the work on designing um, Minimig 1.3. So you're one of the first people to see this. Um, and uh, what it is, it, it's a board with a couple of improvements. So first of all, you don't need to solder these chips. The, piggyback style. I always believed it looks ugly. So now you have four uh, places for the four chips. Uh, I removed that unobtainium SD card that you need to um, order from England for absurd amount of money. With this one, it's very easily available for less than a quarter of a dollar. Uh, I also replaced unobtainium 3.5 uh, uh, millimeter audio jack with this one that's quite anywhere. Um, and the uh, board is now a little bit bigger, which looks fantastic in my opinion. It's not a lot of the bigger, but enough to kind of be more substantial and holding it in your hand. And I did a little bit of signal improvement because, you know, when you use um, advanced software, Altium and all the other stuff, you start figuring out that, I mean, when Dennis did this long, long ago, I think he did a phenomenal job. But uh, if you're sending signals from FPGA to, let's say, your CPU or memory, uh, you need to have these uh, um, termination resistors. Uh, so basically to prevent the reflection of the signal, just kind of like the echo of the signal. So if you look the blue line, that's the one the, with, the, with the termination resistors in place. And the green line is the one with the original Minimic without the, those. Uh, true to be told, that doesn't matter. I mean, computer still works fine, but it's just, you know, one of those little polished things that you can add uh, these, uh, these resistors here, you can see them as small ICs because there are layers of resistors designed for such a dense uh, 
uh, architecture. And uh, uh, they will do just that. They will prevent echo going from one big IC to another one, especially if you have this very precise digital electronics that doesn't really tolerate a lot of this uh, garbage that, that happens, pure physics, I guess. So um, it's done. I just need to send Gerber's and, uh, but be mind, have this in mind. It's going to be more expensive to make these things. Secondly, I won't be able to do it in a long time. So if, you, if you're waiting for something like this, just forget about it until I have it. So, um, you know, and finally, in the spirit of uh, open sourceness and the same license that was given to us by Dennis, I'll do the same. It's going to be available for you guys to do it yourself if you wish so. Uh, Gerber files and stuff. Uh, and uh, that concludes the presentation. Uh, I hope it was informative, not too long. Um, if you guys have any questions, by all means. Thanks, Franco. That was actually very good, very informative. Thank you, Simon. So maybe since you're here still, I can I can show you how the boards look like in the, in reality. So this is the yellow one. This is one of my favorite colors. I don't know why. It looks golden. Like cool. Actually, I'm lying. So there is this one that looks like a Blade Runner. Uh, so this this board uh, is called After Dark. Oh, you have yes, you have purple. That's what I like. <laughs> yes, purple is beautiful, but. Um, this one you would like the, the most. Unfortunately, it wasn't done before you came. What's interesting about this one is that it's this board, uh, this kind of PCB is only produced in one factory in the world that I know of. It's Osh Park in the United States. And it's the FR4, this material that's used uh, uh, for, um, for a board. It's completely black. Usually it's brownish. It's kind of like this very unattractive color this one is black but aside from being black uh the the uh this um layer that's actually uh protecting against the it's, it's called a solar mask is transparent so what you're seeing you're actually seeing all the all the uh, uh you know lines beautifully and it kind of looks like something from the science fiction movie, right? Uh, it's very unique. Uh, it's difficult to produce these boards. I don't know why exactly, but uh, also the, the contacts are gold-plated and uh, it's just traces are beautiful to look at. Um, then there is a classic, there is a black one. And uh, there's nothing really special about these boards. You can order different colors when you're ordering them from, from the fab. There is a very mean red one. You can experiment with the LED colors. Um, so you can put any LED of any color. Um, uh, you can put the white LED on the red board. Looks very mean. I, I love that look. Um, unfortunately, I don't have one here to show you, but something I should recommend. And you should put those LEDs, they're like uh, el illumination LEDs used for the lamps. So bright white, it just looks crazy. I love that. Then this is very classic. It's a green one. I mean, you know, green is, yeah, original Amiga color, why not? Original boards. And then I guess, Simon, this one is uh, familiar to you. Yep. Yeah, you have one. Hey, Ranko, I wanted to ask you a question for those yes. jumpers here, if you yep. see them. Yes. The FPGA versus MCU, like it's on FPGA right now. Could you mm -hmm. talk about those two jumpers? Yeah, just yeah absolutely. 
So if it's on FPGA, that means Amiga runs your serial port. So you can use the serial port as any Amiga serial port. The operating system will detect uh, okay. serial port, you will, whatever. I mean, it will detect serial port either way because it's in FPGA. But uh, the, this is just like uh, intersection. Are you going to put the signal in the in the FPGA or are you going to put it in the in the peak? So that answers the question. If you put it on, uh, on the MCU, MCU is actually this uh, uh, microcontroller. So then you can use it to actually uh, connect your null modem cable with your PC and run something called Samba. It's not a Samba from Linux for the file sharing. It's some hyphen ba um, software that's used to program these chips. So you can put uh, more firmware that way if there is a reason for it. You can also take the chip out. It's on a deep socket. You can take it out. You can put it into, into your programmer that can support this chip and you can do it outside if, if you like, oh, if okay, you okay. prefer to do so. But uh, you have ability to do it directly from the Minimic. That's why you have the jumper. Okay, and and the other one is just the speed of the CPU? No, the other one is... Uh, the other it's one, a video. It's a video, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. 30, 31 kilohertz is the your regular uh, VGA screen, right? That that anyone, any, any VGA screen you have at home. But if you go to uh, 15, that's the original Amiga monitor or some, you know, uh, SCART monitors or, or LCDs maybe that support 15 kilohertz if you have this multi-sync uh, stuff. So I've seen people running this on the original Amiga um, CRTs. So that's why. And then this can be modified, this VGA cable. I mean, of course, VGA and uh, um, SCART and all these things can be easily, you can easily create SCART cable from this. So you can okay. plug it in, and uh, but make sure it's 15 kilohertz, otherwise you won't get picture. And 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 uh, you got the spare I/O here, mm -hmm. where you connected the memory, and you got the JTAG. I'm thinking the JTAG is to update the the Spartan three. That's right. So I'm neglected to mention that because I don't know how important it is, but you're spot on. So this header is used to to program the board. So FPGAs are usually programmed by using something called JTAG. And you have all the JTAG signals here, and you, know, you connect this to your ID, and you have full access. No, now can you like I noticed you said there's a firmware update you can do through the menu. Mm -hmm. uh, can you still update uh, Spartan through the SD card by going through the menu and updating the firmware that way, or no? Yes. Well, I mean, you don't update Spartan directly in, in general. I mean, you can do it uh, via JTAG. You can just spew out the, the, the FPGA code that way. But the way you do it, you do it through the SD card always. So the okay. peak will take the, the binary image from the SD card. It will just route the, the data to the Spartan. Spartan will know what to do with it, bring it okay. out and so forth. Uh, and um, updating the firmware, uh, you're actually updating the firmware of the microcontroller of the peak, not of the FPGA. FPGA okay. core is just a file that sits on SD card. So um, the way you update your uh, Amiga core is by just placing a different uh, file called minimig1.bin, I think. Um, and and you're, you're good to go. No, the reason I'm asking is because I think the Vampire mm -hmm. uh, card has a Spartan chip, does it not? I think it's Altera Cyclone 5. Yeah, and then you can, I think you can update it through the Amiga without, yes. uh, or you can use a special, I think. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let me see if I have these uh, programmers here. I should have them. 
I think it's called USB blaster or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, USB blaster. Yeah, I have quite a few here in one of my drawers. I shouldn't now go over them, but um, you can do it that way. Uh, you can you can also do it over the software. So for this board in particular, dealing with the FPGA core is trivial because FPGA core just, just sits as a file on the SD card. Okay, so okay. So this is different. Okay. Yeah, it's very easy. Does it have any kind of uh, composite video out, or is just the VGA out is the only video out? It's just a, it's just a, uh, the, you're correct. It's just a VGA out. The other board uh, that's ATX size, it seems to me by looking at the ports that it has, it has a composite and S video, I believe, but right. this one doesn't. Okay. Well, if if you're looking for composite out, I guess you can get an adapter VGA to composite out. If you really want to use, uh, let's say the, yes, I don't know, monitor, monitor or something like that, the old CRT. Yeah, as I mentioned, I, I've seen people doing the VGA to SCART. Yeah. So yeah. that's and uh, just by this, this jumper is a crucial thing. Going 15 kilohertz, that's the point. Then you can do whatever. You just can make your yeah. own cable and you're good to go. And uh, Renko, what's the PGM uh, reset button? Oh, it's just it's just resetting the board. Okay. Yeah, so it's just like a reset button. That's what it All is. Right. Goes sends a signal to one of the pins of the uh, peak of this uh, microcontroller, and microcontroller will execute just the cut. Okay. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I know you mentioned uh, build it yourself. Mm -hmm. There's <laughs> There's no way in hell I'm going to be, be able to build this myself because, uh, you know, the chips, the solder these, forget it. That's why, for me, I know it's fun to build. I do build some boards, but not to this degree. This is, I find, too, uh, the soldering job too tiny and too small. So, and that's why I purchased it in this case yeah. for me. Well, you're right. It's not trivial. Um, it's the, the most difficult part. It's not so much soldering. It's it's picking these uh, little resistors and capacitors and placing them in the right way and holding yep. them and losing your eyesight on that. Yeah, Especially exactly. if you don't have right tips and microscopes. But some people thrive on that. Some people enjoy yep. in the process of it. So it's worth mentioning, you know. That's why I'm doing it. I love that part. That's the part that oh, makes me yeah. excited, you know. And then while I'm doing it, I'm taking my hand, doo, 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 you know, I'm playing bot or I'm playing, uh, playing let's say, Alien Breed or something like that. I'm thinking, this is awesome. I'm making a computer that's going to execute all my games, you know? <laughs> and every single transistor I, I, you know, put on the board, I'm like closer to that thing. Uh, the other thing also worth mentioning is that here um, I'm using, if you see these silver uh, capacitors, uh, these are solid state devices. They're polymer capacitors. So these 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 are probably going to live more than myself. Myself, like these are not electrolytics. Uh, electrolytics dry out, and then you need to recap stuff. Um, so if you're buying components, this is not a bad alternative. Uh, some people are uh, religiously against uh, uh, these solid state uh, uh, polymers, uh, but there's no really reason for it. It's just like I don't know why. Um, there is some specs difference. This cannot run as hot, but as hot is like hundreds of degrees. So I, I mean, you're not going to put this in, I don't know, whatever, space shuttle going to space and expose it to this, you know, whatever. So um, the, it's probably you'll never need to recap this um, because of this. So if you're building it yourself, get, get the aluminum polymers. Uh, they're 
and they look nice. They're see, they're aluminum, sparkly, beautiful. They don't look like those old school, ugly, you know, electrolytics. I know. Yeah, the, no, the board is beautiful, and I like the PS2 uh, ports, so you can connect any uh, uh, what's it called keyboard on it, which is great. I run at uh, IBM uh, all-in-one. It has the the pointy, you know, the red tab mouse on it. So it's a mouse and keyboard together. So I, I just have one keyboard here on the desk. So I, I run it. Sorry, my, my son just came in. I'll, I'm going to close the door. He just runs into the office sometimes. One moment. <laughs> Sometimes people complain about, uh, I mean, it is old system. You need to understand this. So uh, PS2, uh, we don't have PS2 readily available at home anymore, but they're not that difficult to source. I mean, you can go to thrift store or whatever and get like five keyboards for like $5. But, uh, you know, people get this board from me and they say, oh man, like how do, how do I, you know, use mouse and stuff. That, you know, that, that's the downside of having the old... Uh, this can be replaced, but it requires a little bit of uh, circuitry in the middle and stuff, so. Can you actually replace them with USB uh, ports yes. at all? Yes, you can. You can, you can easily, but uh, it will require a little bit of um, change. So long-term, I mean, I already, uh, guys, I've showed you the, the board that uh, I'm going to uh, start building today, 1.3, uh, which has its own improvements and, um, but uh, long term, I mean, this is don't don't expect anything now or in midterm. Long term, I'm going to uh, continue this tradition of Minimix, but I'm going to revamp this in in terms. I want this board to have a modern FPGA that can support AGA. Uh, I want this board to have floppy and ID. I think that's very important. I also want external floppy. I want a 68060. Uh, I think Minimix should continue the tradition of having real Motorola CPUs. And uh, unfortunately, these chips are more difficult to source every day, but um, I think it, it will be a formidable thing. And also I'm going to leave uh, the option for this board to run without the uh, external CPU internally in FPGA. But um, I'm a long way to go um, because I have other projects that I'm working on. But I think that will be ultimate uh, ultimate board that will have it's good to be up to date, have USBs, uh, have uh, latest core, AGA, all the all that stuff, you know. But um, don't expect. I mean, it's good. <laughs> Maybe someday you'll see if it goes. Talking about the Amiga, there's another thing. Uh, have you guys seen this thing? Does anyone know what, knows what it is? I don't know if you're familiar. It's called Pi Storm. It's so, so what it is, let me show you like this. Maybe this will make more sense. 
I know Simon knows about it. So it's a, it's a little, uh, okay, talking about uh, PLDs, here is PLD. Uh, and a lot of RAM, I think 128 megabytes here. And, uh, and there is one voltage regulator. So what it is, it, this is a socket. I mean, this is your Amiga uh, CPU, 68,000. You put this into Amiga 500, right? And then on the top, you put this to Raspberry Pi. This is uh, Raspberry Pi 3 A+. And then, uh, you know, you run certain software on the Raspberry Pi, and this becomes your Amiga CPU. It's a pretty cool thing. Uh, and uh, so with these two things, this is this should be quite cheap to produce, you know, less than $50. And this thing is also very cheap, as you know. You'll have right now Amiga that's outperforming Amiga 4000. And once they improve the software and once they enable um, this thing called um, just-in-time compiler, then you will have the same performance that your Amiga 500 does in, uh, let's say, your uh, PyMiga or, um, you know, on the emulator because this becomes... Um, this becomes your CPU. And the great thing about it, it doesn't touch Amiga at all. Your custom chips are still there, they're running, they're fine. Uh, you're just replacing the CPU with this. It's, it's a, you know how people sometimes they have uh, conversations about is emulation okay in retro world? What's better? Do we need to use FPGAs or real hardware or emulation? This is very interesting project that actually merges these two worlds together. So you have uh, hardware stuff, CPLD, whatnot. Then you have emulation that does the CPU emulation. Then you have real Amiga, real ch chipset. And it's really interesting. It's it's quite a quite an interesting thing. And I was testing. I I, I built this one myself, and I was testing it uh, the other day, and it's great. It works beautifully. You know, Frontier just flies on it. So. Um, and as you guys probably know, we have a, a cheap shortage right now. So uh, because of auto industry, so it's not the best time to build anything or buy chips or supply or, you know, um, demand is high and uh, prices are pretty high. But um, sometime in the future, these uh, components will be as cheap as before, which means a couple of dollars. All right, Simon just disappeared. Hey, so I came in late. Was it, was it actually demonstrated? Was one plugged in and demonstrated earlier? No, unfortunately, no, because uh, I don't have really means to do so. I just have my webcam and it's probably going to be jittery and, and um, not looking so great. But uh, to answer this way, I mean, it's, it's a real Amiga. It's like plugging your, in your Amiga 600, it looks exactly the same. Um, the only thing of interest that you can see is uh, this on-screen display that you can turn on the, the, the scan lines, for example, you know, an on-screen display that you can choose the floppy drives, you know, floppy one, two, three, whatever, put it in a virtual drive, that's it. But other than that, it's just like exactly the same thing. It's one-to-one. -one. So, Ranko, you can actually share a video, uh, like a good video that shows it if you want. I didn't, I don't know if I recorded anything. Maybe I didn't prepare myself well enough, but uh, maybe for the next meeting, I can shoot some, um, you know, um, action, some games running and uh, record some, um, some sound. 
I can also get one of those capture cards, so maybe that's even a better way to do so. Well, you're welcome, certainly welcome to present again anytime. Awesome. Please Seal of approval. join us at any meeting. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. That's great. I'm happy to hear that. I've, uh, I've talked to Simon about um, inviting some people as well. And uh, before anyone gets excited, um, I've sent an email to my friend, uh, Igor Mystorovich, who is uh, actually the uh, creator of uh, Vampire itself. So he's the guy who, who created Vampire Accelerator. I sent him an email a few days ago. I, I'm yet to receive the reply. I, I don't know if he's busy. Uh, I hope that he might be uh, interested in, in talking about Vampire and how this uh, card came to be. Um, he, he's he's uh, from the same country. I'm also Serbian and uh, he, he lives in Banjaluk and that's how we met. But um, I, I'm hopeful, I'm waiting for a reply. We'll see what happens. That would be utterly cool, no doubt. Right? I think so, yeah. So, Ennio and uh, Renko, I, I saw a YouTube video mm -hmm. for the Mini Megan action. I don't know if you want me to share it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, go, go for it. Please do. Right. Hang on, let me make you a co-presenter if I haven't yet. I think I did, Simon, but let me double check. Need new glasses. Don't mind. Ah, yeah, you're co-host, so you're good to go. Okay, let me see if I can share. Uh, you know what, Enyo, you do it. I, I, I can't see it where it is. Maybe because I'm using it off the browser. Maybe. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm going to put it in the chat. I'll, I'll put it in the chat. You, you guys can. Uh... Yep, please do. Just a moment. Think. Okay, just a sec. So sure. Is yours version the make you producing right? Was it one point one version one point one? So yeah, this is this is the latest version. That's original one. It's one point one. That's correct. Okay. There's nothing uh, above that. But the one that I've created is 1.3, actually. Okay, here we go, gang. Here you can see the, the headers. Uh, this Minimig is, uh, has a four megabytes of RAM. You can see that by those ugly little wires coming. You can also see the ugly capacitors, electrolytics. But there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, works just fine. So yeah, this is the peak loading the, the firmware and checking the stuff. And after that, it's just Amiga. There you go. So this is the on-screen display you could use for 
changing RAM configuration, kickstarts, whatever. Yeah, so the cool part about it I found is that you can attach to uh, hard drive images to it. Mm -hmm. The one that's running Workbench, and then there's a blank one that uh, you can basically install any of the programs that you want, and uh, it works great. Yeah, you can have two, two drives. So, so in terms of double-HD load, this configuration that's pretty much 3.5 megabytes of RAM is enough for the most of double-HD load games, but being mindful, it's not enough for all the games especially if you're using them in the, that preload mode. Uh, some games are like 15 floppies and more uh, floppy disks. So you might end up not being able to run some games from WHD load. Maybe, I didn't try all of them, but you know, this is like mid-range configuration for WHD load, worth mentioning. So good thing about these uh, systems, I mean, any FPGA system is that because it's cycle exact, you're getting the same digital analog signal on the screen that you will get from Amiga. So that little, even if you run your emulator on 50 Hertz uh, for PAL games, no matter how much you try, there's always that little you know, thing. If you're really hardcore Amiga gamer, you can feel it that it's not smooth enough. So these things, when it, they're done in harder, they're just, I mean, any FBGA board will just be one-to-one -one in your experience. Uh, so much so that some of the cores are actually replicating the bugs as well. So. Well, awesome, guys. 
I think uh, it's, it's been really a pleasure talking in front of you. Uh, I, I would like to conclude this uh, meeting on my side because my wife, she came out, uh, she came in twice asking me to go for dinner. But uh, before, before we conclude, I just want to say it's been a great privilege talking in front of you guys because I know uh, looking to the history of your um, uh, group that some very important people had the opportunity to talk. Uh, and this is one of... Uh, oldest uh, um, organizations of, of this type in Toronto, as far as I know, uh, almost 40, if not more than 40 years old. So, uh, you know, I'm not taking this lightly and, uh, hope, uh, and I'm hoping that this presentation was uh, informative at least. So uh, I didn't waste your time. No, not at no, all. No, thank you very much, Franco. Right. Again, Simon, thank you so much for inviting me and hopefully we'll have uh, yet another reason to talk about exciting uh, retro things in the future. Please come back soon. Thank you, sir. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot, Michael. Appreciate your time. Bye bye. Yep. See ya. Hey, guys. Hey, Keith. I was late, but uh, I still got to catch a bit of it. Yeah, he went into the technical of it and uh, he was. He actually did a pretty uh, professional presentation. Yeah, it, it seemed pretty good. It was interesting. No, like I said, I uh, I was just uh, sitting one night on my computer surfing Kijiji, and I saw this mini mig, and I started talking to him on Kijiji. And uh, after an hour or so, I, I decided to buy his board, and I met him in person. Very nice guy. Very enthusiastic about uh, Amiga and... Uh, what he does, he just, uh, I guess, loves building them and, uh, you know, seeing people uh, using them. It's a very good board, I mean, for for what I need it for. I mean, I just wanted something to just play around with on my uh, work desk so I can hook it up to a VGA monitor. And it uses a PS2 keyboard, which I, I'm using. And uh, it works great. And you can connect a regular mouse, I mean, a regular joystick and play the games that you want. So for me, that's all I needed for. I'm, I'm not producing multimedia videos or uh, presentations on it. It's just uh, it's a cool toy. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a you know basic uh, 500 plus really. Um, well, the equivalent of a 500 plus works, and this price is actually quite uh, reasonable. Dollars for it, except for the special board that he showed because it costs him more money to produce that board. Otherwise, he would charge 150. And I mean. There's no way I would uh, go buy the parts and build this. There's no way I can solder these things. So for 150 bucks, and you get this, it's great for what it does. Where is he that looking? 150 US or 150 Canadian? 150 Canadian, and he produces them. He's in Bolton, so I actually drove up and picked it up, and I met him. Hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure he delivers. I'm not sure how much he delivers within Canada, but I don't see it being that costly for the board. I mean, you're just sending a board by mail, probably 15 bucks shipping. Yeah, it's throwing a bubble wrap even, it's not that thick. Yeah, like, I mean, you sent me boards that size, Keith, it was 15 bucks. Yeah, something like that, yeah. It, it's a nice yeah. little unit. It's uh, and 150 Canadian is impressive. I mean, if you look at the price list of uh, the components on it, it's, it's well worth it. Yeah, that's like 20 bucks US. It's what? <laughs> the component? That's like, that's like $20 US funds. <laughs> yeah, and then import, so 120 
<laughs> no, I was really happy with it. I mean, 150 bucks for what it does, very happy with it. Yeah, you can imagine just putting an Amiga here just uh, on your work desk while you're trying to use it. I have no room for it. I mean, this thing is very small. You can even mount it in a monitor if you want. <laughs> so that way you don't even see it. Yeah, really, yeah. Or even throw it into a real uh, Amiga case and keyboard, probably. Easily uh, convert that. Yeah, well, it has the PS2. Uh, that's right. I didn't think about that. But you can. Yeah, I guess you can put it in the Amiga case. I would yeah, put it in an Amiga case. You can get a keyboard to PS2 adapter. Oh, yeah. That's um, So I have a Mister. I don't know if you've seen a Mister, but yeah, so that's a lot cheaper than buying a Mister. Well, how much is the Mister key? Um, well, so the DO board, uh, the DE10 uh, board is, I think, about 200 bucks by the time you get it to your door, Canadian. And then you need to buy a RAM module, which is like, I think I paid 70 or something like that. Um, with those two and then a USB hub, you can, you can get by with that. You don't have to buy the full kit. Well, okay, so that's double the price, basically. But if I just need it for as an Amiga, the Minimig works very well. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So it's it's a really great uh, value. I mean, Mr., you're going to spend probably about 500 bucks by the time you're set up. It does wow. a lot more. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're just looking for an FPGA media, that's that's a great way to go. Now, it, it has different cores. I tried the – there's an NES emulator. It works very well, I think, isn't it? No, wait a minute. That's not it. No, no, no. Sorry, my mistake. That's the uh, DIY A586. That could be another topic we can discuss. Uh, yeah, it's neat that you multi-purpose these things, like even that one or like a the Mister or the Unamiga. All these things are really very similar and you can put different cores on them. I think this is the, the really... Good entry point though, like just for 150 bucks, that's great. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm gonna see what, what else he's gonna be producing because he can produce them, uh, as you saw in, uh, like he manufactured them fast uh, because he has the equipment. So he's looking into. I don't know. Were you there for version 1.3? He's talking about where he's gonna modify the board, add more stuff to it. No, it, I didn't do that. Yeah, it doesn't have AGA right now. So in his one version 1.3, he's thinking of putting in AGA support. It doesn't have that right now. So like you said, it's basically an A500 uh, plus. It has the ACS uh, chipset. Did he show any uh, overclocking or is it just stuck, stuck at the standard speed? It's 50 megahertz, it runs at 50. It's uh, It has a 68,000 68, 68, uh, processor on it. Uh, but it also, you can clock it at 50, it's an 050 basically, it's uh, comparable to an Amiga 3000, he said. Okay, so very similar to like a terrible fire type board. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just the price point alone, when I saw it to 150 bucks, is very good for what it does. Oh, for sure, yeah, because you, you would spend, uh, you know, 40 bucks on a, even just an 040 chip or an 030 chip alone, you're going to spend 30, 40 bucks just to get one of those. And then you still need an Amiga if you're going like, to do a terrible fire or uh, any of those type of things. Or those ACA 500 boards. Those are, what, 250 bucks? Yeah, yeah. Like, they, they bring your, your Amiga to have 50 megahertz. I mean. 
I, I use this uh, keyboard, which I had from before. It's the IBM, like it has the, the mouse right here. Yeah, that's pointer. cool. I have the same one, but with the number pad. Yeah. So th this works very well because it doesn't take up that much uh, desk space. <laughs> so you can just put it on top. And the mini mega, I just put it on uh, right behind here. It's fine. It's, it, it works out very well for me. So for me, I liked it a lot. That's really cool. Was that the only presentation so far tonight? Yeah, yeah. He just, he, I think he, he was about an hour. He presented for about an hour. Yeah, we don't he, he went into real detail, like the history behind it and, uh, and uh, the details behind it. How much is that arm board that goes on top of the uh, mini MIG? I think he's selling that for 80 bucks. Uh, you can check his website. I'll put it in the chat. I like the fact that he's producing them locally and you don't have to pay the exchange rate, the fees to come in here and uh, shipping. So what's the arm board give? Like what's it do? It's supposed to speed up uh, disk access to the SD card. Okay, that's cool. And then so you can, like, it like has a the USB. I think it has a USB uh, uh, also adapter where you can put your uh, uh, a GoTech. I think it, it would be like a GoTech or something. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I didn't need it because you, you can put everything on the SD card that has the core. And uh, what you do is you, it's a FAT32 uh, format. So you go on the internet, you download whatever images that you need and put them on the SD card, take the SD card from the PC and put it into the mini mic and it reads it fine. That's awesome. Has anyone talked about WRORC? No. You're going to? No. What is it? It's not mine to talk about. <laughs> what is it? Uh, yeah, I guess there's a get together being planned and there should be an announcement soon. Okay. Yeah, it's not mine to announce either. I just want to see if it was announced yet. But uh, yeah, it should be uh, an announcement very soon about it, I think. Any idea where we should so be eyes open to? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Um, any forums, mailing lists? Pages we should look out for. Simon, were you able to hear? I couldn't hear it. Tell me. Just uh, no, you're very low. Your 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 sound is very low. Yeah, sorry. The storm is actually opening up around my house. So. Hey. Moment of truth. Oh, what's that? Anyone in Barry? Why? Okay, let me check. Is that the radio or somebody talking? Nice uh, pet there, Simon. Oh, yeah, thanks, sir. <laughs> it's still running. Not on, it should be on. <laughs> Let me check this one now. I'm, I'm buying the new uh, pet disc for it, just to see how it works. 
Which one's that? Let me just make the link one second. Anyone here from Barry? I don't think so. I asked that before. Yeah, there's tornadoes in Barry. Right? Yeah, yeah, pretty bad, I guess. Yeah, so I sent that website. I, I ordered the Pet Disc Max and the Romulator from uh, Bitfixer in the U.S. I like the pet disc. I had the pet disc, the original pet disc, but my pet beef against that one is that it's two parts that you have to stick in the serial port and into the uh, the IEEE port and into the cassette port, and then you run a, a USB cable, a thick one, from one to the other to give it power. The new uh, pet disc max, it's only one, and it goes into the IEEE and it draws the power from there. It looks like. So yeah, you showed me that before. I want to get one too. I. Uh... He didn't have stock when I looked. No, he's having problem with stock. And and the difference between the pet disc max and the, the old pet disc is with the pet disc max you can actually uh, load images of discs like the dot uh, uh, D sixty four. In the in the old pet disc you couldn't load any images as discs. I didn't think there was any power there. Isn't that why they all steal power from somewhere else? Well, the new one looks like it draws power from the IEEE. Also, it's got it's got a male edge connector on it. No, the other side though is a regular. If you look at it, that's oh, is it pass through? Yeah, that's a pass through. Oh, okay. Which is a good one. This, this thing is supposed to have, I think, a Wi-Fi module too. I was just gonna say, yeah, it's got a Wi-Fi module on there. Yeah. But it's not a modem. I, I don't know if you can update the firmware on it to use it as a modem. I'm not sure. How much is that by the time you get it here? Uh, it's U.S., but then he's, he charges, like, I, I think it's reasonable, 15 U.S. for shipping to Canada. Oh, so about 80 bucks by the time you get here, basically? Something yeah, like that, yeah. Usually you double it and you're safe. <laughs> well, I think I, like I paid for the, the $40 for the Pet Disc Max, $30 for the Romulator. That was 70 US plus uh, 15 US, 75, I mean, 85 bucks. I'm paying over 100 for both. We'll see how it turns out. I, I, I'm supposed to receive him end of the month. He's going to send out another email, but he was having problems with stock. Uh, I just, I just got the enlarge button finally. So I see that. We'll definitely look for a review on that there, Simon. Sure. I, I want to get one because I have the old one, the, uh, you know, the big beige box with the LCD display and, um, Pet to disc or something is really old. Oh, Pet SD Plus or something like that? Yeah, something like that. I got it from Walter. I think it's one of Steve uh, Gray's designs. Yeah, yeah. I have that, but I'm, I'm selling my 8032 to a guy and I'm, I'm letting him buy the, um, the disc with it also because I want to get one of these other ones. So. 
Well, I, I like the pet disc because you can, like, it's cheap enough and you can just stick it in the back of the pet. So it's invisible to me, like, as you see right there, the 8296. I have a pet disc in the back. You can't see it. It's And I have everything I need on it, on the SD card. So it's, it's beautiful. It sits in the back. Is that the, uh, like, the white and blue one from Tindy or whatever? No, no, it's from this guy, Bitfixer. It's a two-piece. It goes on the cassette port and okay. the IEEE. Right, right. And what, and what I did is I removed the USB uh, ports uh, for, the, for the USB cable, and I, I installed a, a ribbon cable between the two cards. So it's very thin in the back, and it doesn't take up that much room. The other one was too cumbersome with the USB cable running from one to one. But it's just for the USB was just for power, right? Yeah, from the cassette uh, from the cassette port. But does it is it also of audio out? Yeah, I don't know what that is, but I, I don't think so. I, I'm not sure. Do you do you have an internal speaker in your in your pet? Sorry. Does that pet have an internal speaker? Yeah, this one, the eighty two ninety six, has an internal speaker. My uh, forty sixteen here doesn't have a internal sound, so. Okay, but which version of uh, DOS is it? Mm, I don't remember. <laughs> because if it's an old one, I think you, you can you know? No, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I gotta test if it is sound that it has. It looks like it, but I'm not sure. I never used those. Uh, let me turn it off here. You know what I did though? A little fun thing I did is, hang on, <laughs> watch. I'm gonna turn on my pet. Oh, you have a smart uh, socket in the back that you connected it to? I have a, I have a smart strip, a three, oh, okay. a three plug smart strip that I have really no use for. So <laughs> I just plugged one into my 2001, one into my 4016, and another power bar to control the, the Commodore 64 floppy and monitor <laughs> so I could turn them all on and off my phone. There's <laughs> <laughs> not really any purpose for it. It saves me reaching around the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a lot of technology, so I don't have to reach my hand, you know. It's <laughs> so much energy to put your hand back there. <laughs> well, the, the technology is there. Why not use it, right? Um, Does it require an app, or can you do it through a web interface? Because I was actually looking for something like that, but for a remote location. Uh, they're, they're all, like, all the professional ones are, like, 600 bucks or more. This this one is app-based. Um, and I use it yeah. for a ton of things. Like, it works. It's uh, it's the TP link. And um, Yeah, there's cheap ones that are app-based. But if you want something where you can connect to it over the internet, like, with HTTPS, they're, like, 600 bucks. Yeah, I never really checked to see if I could. Uh... Probably not, uh, Ben. I think they are, the, the cheap ones are uh, app-based. You have to have an account with the company that uh, runs that, or that, that supports that, and then you, you turn it on and off. Most of the ones I have are like that. Yeah, it's too bad. There's, there's nothing in the middle range. There's something here about home assistant integration. I don't know what that is, but 
I just found a Reddit. It's for... probably like you can say, Alexa, turn on my computer on the shelf. <clears throat> I have a, I have a solution. <laughs> um, I gave my neighbor an X10 remote, and I plugged the the X10 controller into the wall near his house. So I call him up and like reset my my internet modem. I can't get to my stuff. <laughs> And he just pushes the buttons and, you know, but that's, you know, not quite, uh, it's a, it's a remote access, but it's, you know, human based. So Sarah, what are you trying to do? Um, it's for equipment at a customer site that they don't seem to be able to reboot by themselves very reliably. Is it a PC that needs to be rebooted? No, it's, it's various types of networking stuff. It would be nice to be able to control different outlets separately. Like there's like APC stuff, and you're but you're in the six hundred dollar range, and the person yeah. is right there. I could just push the power button, but instead, you know, they call for support all the time. Somebody here is suggesting to run an Android emulator on a like a Windows desktop and then use that. Yeah, but that that's a kludgy solution. Better to just get the six hundred dollar thing if if they don't want to. Reboot it. So when you say the six hundred dollar thing, it's a remote access well, KVM. Well, no, just just to turn on and off the power outlets, like through a web interface, and like we could put it behind like a VPN or something. Oh, somebody you know? on the chat says they have a web interface accessible multi outlet thing. Right. Exactly. There's nothing yeah. available that I've been able to find that's cheap. Like well, they're saying. They're saying it's 120 bucks. Does it require an app? Maybe they can provide the information, whoever is typing there. If they oh. can provide the information to it. It's in the yeah, chat I'm if you look at the chat. Hold on, I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, if you if you give me a couple of minutes, let me uh, let me connect to it. I, I oddly enough, I threw out the box for it probably about a month ago. Um, but it also monitors IP addresses if you want. If they don't respond to pings, it'll reboot things. You can build little programs on it. Um, but I got it. I probably got it almost ten years ago, and it was. 120 bucks at the time. Um, so let me do a little digging and I'll uh, I'll jump back in when I find out what it was. All right, thanks. There's some interesting stuff in this Reddit right here. I'll just put it in the, in the chat. Somebody talked about, they said I wrote some Python code using their REST API to control my CASA smart plugs. They don't want to. If they don't want to pay the six hundred bucks, then they don't want to pay for somebody to write custom scripts and maintain them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, if they got the budget, just spend the six hundred dollars. Don't waste your time. <laughs> they just need the person who's sit, sitting right next to it to reboot it when they have this recurring problem. Well, I found this one on uh, Amazon. I don't know if this this, this would work. That's a pretty big link. 
But it says app control power, I think, yeah, so maybe that's not what you're looking for. Yeah, there seem to be like consumer level things where it's controlled by an app and you're required to use the app. And then there's like enterprise stuff where you're in the $600 range. Yeah, I think it's I saw $10 it. or $600? <laughs> But I mean, if you don't need that, yeah, I think I saw. That. I, I got to tell you, the, the TP Link stuff is pretty good <laughs> for like regular consumer stuff. So, so I don't have to walk to my living room to reboot my router. <laughs> the only problem is if you, if it's all connected to the same network, and you hit a the power on your, on your app to turn off the router, then you can't connect to it to turn it back on again. <laughs> Oh, you can't just do like oh, yeah. You, you, you Again, the one the one I've got, you can tell it reboot that particular outlet. Right. Um, yeah. And, and and you can make it like try rebooting five times. Wait sixty seconds or two minutes in between. Uh... Yeah, we used to have one that that didn't okay. have HC. I'm going to run downstairs rather than trying to. That I can't even remember what the IP address is of it. I'll go downstairs and figure out what it was. I'll take a picture of it. All right, thanks. Um, I don't know if it has like a smart way to send it, to tell it, hey, you know what you could do is you could, I mean, I've got things on timers, right? So in theory, you could say, you could set up a timer saying, you know, in five minutes, turn this off for one minute and back on again. And I think it would remember it. It wouldn't need the Wi-Fi uh, to turn back on again, right? Because it would store that locally, I think. Yeah, well, like um, like 15 years ago, we had like this APC switch um, that we have for some servers at 151 front. And you could tell it reboot this outlet and it would turn it off and wait a bit and then turn it back on. And it was pretty good. We hardly ever had to pay somebody to go in and do it for us. One company I worked for, we did take a web-based relay. We hacked it into a into our HVAC system. And hmm. I mean, we plugged the other end into a laptop and we totally messed around with it. Um, we had our own little custom HVAC reboot scripts um, that just messed around with the whole system. It was wonderful. We had so much fun pissing off the building management. Okay, I'm way worse at taking out the garbage than I thought. <laughs> oh, you have the box. Yeah, I still have the box, which was probably more useful than... So, is there a way for me to get a photograph? Webpowerswitch.com. Good name. <laughs> <laughs> I think I Googled for, like, exactly that. <laughs> Yeah, may like, not exist anymore. I don't know if they still make them. Like I said, I think I got it about ten years ago. It's sat downstairs, web accessible. Uh, TPX, if it locks up, it reboots it, uh, sends out alerts via email. And at the time, it was oh, cool. Um, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Actually, I'm just looking at the webpowerswitch.com. Oh, it still exists. Yeah, but it forwards you to, to dlidirect.com something, something, something. 
What are they charging for them now? 180, but it says sold out. There's a big sold out button. Yeah. I'm not sure if you can actually buy it. Oh, it's probably like refrigerators. Like, get one, you can get one in two years. So, about 10 years ago, or however long ago, that was the new Ford Auto update. So, I don't know. Who knows what they're up to now? Yeah, that's pretty cool. It has Wi Fi and uh, a hardware wired network uh, connector, too. Oh, yeah, it has to have Ethernet. That was another issue I ran into. It has both. You know, I once I once had a problem with some routers and we just got frustrated with dealing with it. So we just stuck a non-smart uh, wall timer in there. Oh, like every, a, like, every, a light like, timer. every three or six hours, just had to turn it off for 30 seconds and back on again. <laughs> yeah, so I, I have like the, the cheapest wireless router at Canada Computers for my house um, is a TP-Link. And it actually has a setting. You can schedule a daily reboot. Yeah. And it, it works great. Every day at 3 a.m. it reboots and uh, stuff works better. The TP-Link stuff is really like, you know, inexpensive and has got some pretty advanced features on all their low-end stuff is like, I've done some crazy stuff with TP-Link and, the, and their support is great. Like their customer service yeah. support is really good. You know? hmm. and they make some enterprise. I haven't tried their support. 48 port PoE switches and stuff. Like Gigabit. Hmm. I don't know. Anything that comes with a built-in automatically reboot once a day, I don't think I would use it in any kind of enterprise. <laughs> they know something we're not supposed to know. Hey, listen, hang on. I'm using a TP-Link router. It's it's a it's like a Wi-Fi thing, but I don't use the wireless features. But uh, let me just tell you, I'll tell you how long it's been up for right now. Well, I have problems with my wireless network. The wired stuff, it's fine, but... I have to reboot it for the, the wireless. I, I may just have too many devices and be running out of ports. Uh, system uptime, 12 days, 23 hours and 58 minutes. That's not that long. Well, Better than mine though. <laughs> I think I remember having, I think I've rebooted everything. Um, about 14 days ago. Mm -hmm. well, one cool feature, which is probably common, but to me, I thought it was really cool and blew me away when I first saw it, is I picked up a couple of their, their wall switches for my, literally for my front porch and my back porch. And I was like, okay, I'm going to set up a timer and I'm going to have to shift it as daylight savings changes and you know and how and and as the sun rise and sunset adjusted i'm gonna have to like every couple of months readjust it and i go and i'm like how do i set this up and it says do you want to turn your lights on and off at sun and sunset and i said okay yeah. and it was done <laughs> it, it i have a christmas light timer that runs for x number of hours after sunset where you can control x yeah, but I didn't have to program the times, right? It knows when sunset. And sunset. Yeah, it, did, it has some sort of light sensor thing on it. Oh yeah, no, this this goes by the calendar. There's no light sensor. Oh. It just it just knows each day when, you know, based on the internet when sunrise and sunset is, and it just adjusts, you know, every minute or two every day. Oh, it doesn't connect to the internet. It's, it's just a dumb thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Right. So when the when the light it gets dark, it turns on the yeah. Christmas lights an hour after it gets dark or whatever. Yeah, you can have it run until dawn or you can set a number of hours. Now 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 my TP link's been up for 13 days and 25 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I've never watched that roll over before. <laughs> Yeah, they have some cool settings. I, I was looking, I can actually, uh, I, I can rate limit my son when he's playing Fortnite. Mm. Which, which <laughs> one? Like that very much. Model number? I'm like, how's your game working? <laughs> it's like a model number? lag setting. Which one do you have? Do you know the model number? Um, I can find out. It was just, it was whatever was on sale at Canada Computers when my previous router broke. It is a WR841N. Oh, TL. Oh, I guess that's for TP Link. Yeah, WR841N. Oh, yeah, that's the. Was it like. Bandwidth control. Yeah, so you, you can do it. Uh, links by IP address, but you can map max to IPs. And, and he only has a user account on his laptop, so he can't change. Anything like that? Oh, you know what TP Link also has is the product they make. They have a, a mm -hmm. web a web simulator. Oh, so you can see what it would yeah. what your website would be like at various speeds. So oh, no, no, no. It's 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 no? a, a firmware. Sorry, firmware simulator. So if you're looking at a particular you know switch or whatever, um, and you want to know what features it has. You can you, oh. can you can open it up in a browser right off their website, and you can go and mess with the same. It's, oh, okay. it's not like active. You can like as soon as you close the browser, it's gone. But you can yeah. look through all the features and all the tabs and all the you know features of the of the device. Well, that's really useful. Yeah, it's you very, don't have to get the user to describe for you uh, what they're looking at. Yeah, yeah. Instead of having to read through feature lists, you can just actually try yeah, it in settings. Yeah. Probably good for remote, uh, uh, remote, you know, fixing of of somebody's router. If you just got the model number and you can go in there and follow through, that's something I wish that yeah. I had at times. Yeah. <laughs> now read me the next screen. <laughs> yeah. So can you get and the simulator to read? Skip what they think is unimportant, and you can't find the thing you're looking for. <laughs> I was wondering, can you get the uh, simulator to reboot at midnight every night? <laughs> Do those features work? <laughs> I, I wonder what happened if you did that. I don't know. Yeah, the yeah the that one you picked up is <laughs> how much was it on sale at Canada Computers? Uh, I don't know, like twenty or thirty dollars. It wasn't very much. 
It looked like the regular price now is twenty dollars. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That was like a year ago when everything was scarce. I'm gonna see if there's a. Uh, It works. I do have to reboot it, but no more than I had a D link before that I got in 2012 and it failed in a really weird way. Here, check out that link I just posted. <laughs> That's the uh, emulator of the firmware of your router. Let me see if the let me let me try the uh, auto reboot <laughs> system tools. Yeah, yeah, actually, there's there's probably just a reboot now feature. Or what happens if you reset it to factory settings? I don't think it has a reboot now feature. But if you um, reset this to factory settings, can you still access it? Oh, like system tools, factory defaults, restore. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying. I don't think it really does. I'm sure somebody, I'm sure when they make these emulators online, they pick through things that you, you know, like that and just make it so it just goes back to its default. This is pretty advanced though for 20 bucks. I gotta say. Yeah. And, and like, if you look in the bandwidth control section, it, oh, you got some, there's something in there. But you can, um, it's pretty sophisticated. Oh, you can, you can, you can control. Uh, you can do the priority, control. right? So if you have like a VoIP phone, you can give it highest priority. And if you have somebody who downloads a lot of games that take hours and hours, you can make that really good priority. That is very advanced for a $20 router. Yeah. That is cool. I'm not even sure if mine has that. Anyway. I mean, it's all based on like GPL software. Like, oh, yeah. it came with a little license thing printed out in the box. Oh, yeah, I've got that in mind too. I was trying to use, um, I would really, I just, I'd gone back to use my Rogers modem slash router mm. and just figured, you know, one last piece of technology in the mix, you know, sometimes yeah. that's half the problem. But the problem is, is the, um, the uh, address assigning uh, in the Rogers modem wasn't working properly. It wasn't holding addresses. Hmm. Can the, um, Address reservation. Well, can can you tell it like for this MAC address, always give it this IP? Yeah, but that's what I was doing, and that the, the Rogers and it didn't work? has a feature, but it wasn't. It just wasn't working. Like it sure. wasn't. They were <clears throat> sticking. So I just put the Rogers modem in bridge mode and pulled out this this uh, this is this is called the C7, the Archer C7. It's sort of one of their higher end consumer ones, hmm. but they sell for like eighty bucks. Not not like they're so expensive. But well, I had one lying well, around. I mean, and I mine doesn't have great range to the back of my house, but I do have a concrete block wall through the middle of the house. So that's 
a major reason for it? I did a, a big renovation recently and I put a bunch of access points all over those. Um, I actually did buy another one that's still in the packaging to set an access point up at the back of my house. I haven't had time. <laughs> I, I just kind of lean into the doorway where it works better. <laughs> that's another way to do it. What is this thing? <gasps> what? What is it? You can schedule your guest network. Is that for guests who overstay their welcome? <laughs> Why is it supposed to be outside? You, you can, you can, you can control whether your guests can access your local network. Yeah, that's actually a really good feature. Yeah. Because I like if my sister comes over and wants to use my Wi-Fi, I don't really want her potentially virus-ridden thing on my land. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> guest network isolation. Guest network. Yeah. Uh, guest network bandwidth control. control <laughs> the bandwidth of the guest network. And then you could schedule the time of day. That's good for like a coffee shop or something, right? That way you can only have your your guest Wi-Fi available during operating oh. hours of your coffee shop. So people aren't sitting out in front of your coffee shop using your internet when you're closed. Right? I guess not that just Turn it off when you leave. <laughs> <laughs> the the low-tech method. Well, that's where you need the GP link Wi-Fi switches. So we need to turn everything off before. <laughs> Just put it on the same power strip as you have your open welcome sign. <laughs> we went to the pool today, the splash pad, and we also... Long range wireless. This is new. I haven't been on the website in a while, so. Is there any word on World of Commodore? No, we don't usually talk about it until September time frame. And right now, okay. we don't know what's going on with the uh, COVID stuff. So, now we're talking about after Labor Day. But if anybody wants to produce uh, or ever wants to present, okay. Send in the deets. Hey, Anil, yeah. just to give you a 
some background. Uh, you know, Keith was mentioning something about uh, an event. They're trying to do an event in uh, Cambridge. Oh. And again, it's not for me to announce, but it's like a retro computing event, not just Commodores, just retro computers. Okay, cool. That would be nice. Yeah, so, people have mentioned similar to me. I don't know if they're all related or not, but I've heard a couple of people talk about that. So there's a thing going on. Is that Cambridge, Massachusetts or Cambridge, England? Cambridge, Ontario. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, whether I will attend or not only depends on many other things. We shall see. Yeah, so nothing has been confirmed yet, as in uh, like reserving the event or anything like that. Until all that details are ironed out, Yeah. they, they probably won't uh, announce it. But just uh, since you mentioned World of Commodore, it's not World of Commodore, but it's just all kinds of retro computing. Well, I mean, even with World of Commodore, I'm perfectly fine with people presenting whatever they want, as long as it's not yeah. Windows uh, twenty eleven. Um, Windows eleven. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm going to draw a hard line. <laughs> Other than that, I don't care. Whatever anybody wants to do is great with me. What about Windows ME? Oh, it's not for me, man. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't seventy-nine years away. <laughs> I didn't watch it, but I saw a video on YouTube about a guy who took a computer and installed like Windows one point. 1.0 and then upgraded it continuously upgraded it <laughs> all the way to windows 10. <laughs> wow and it still works I, I didn't watch the whole video <laughs> I, mean, I don't think i really want to watch the process but it would be neat to know if it actually worked well, I mean, I'm sure it's doable. It just start with a pretty powerful system to begin with. Um, using an XT machine? Mm, not so much. What I want to do, it's more of a question of why it's Windows. I'm sorry, Windows has no soul. Except that it was Why? There's been a lot of versions of Windows. <laughs> all right. Well, you guys take care. And uh, it was nice meeting with you all.
All right, I think I'm going to check out too, actually. All right, folks, party on. Yeah, it's been Hi. a long day. No. Oh. Morel, when did you get here? Oh, I've been here for a while. <laughs> uh, what a freaking day. Yeah. My power just came back on uh, about an hour and a half ago. Been out since about three this afternoon. And of course, the entire cave went down. So everything's been coming up piecemeal. My NAS came up, my machine came up, but of course it was running a Windows update when it came up, so I couldn't come on right away. Oh. I guess your UPS Mr. survived though. Sorry? My mister survived. Oh. You know the mister? Mr. Mister? Mr. Thing is, I love it. I don't see it. I don't know what up that night. No. Come on. Focus. The, the background blurring is messing with it. <laughs> Anyways, it's pretty cool. It's been a lot, a lot of fun with that thing lately. The Amiga cores are pretty damn solid for it. Actually, most of the cores are pretty damn solid. And uh, reasonably fast, too. I'm surprised. Where is the background blurring feature? Uh, it's in video background. Video uh, settings. Choose virtual background. It'd be like the second one. There's none and then blur and then whatever pictures and video you have. Boost. I don't have blur. What machine are you running it on? Windows. Like what kind of hardware though? Oh, it's like an i7, an older i7. Huh. Maybe it depends on your GPU. I don't know. Studio effects. What is no? No, I've got some video card in here. I can't remember what it is. What version of uh, Zoom are you running? You know? Latest, 572, whatever the latest one is. Where is the, how do you know what version you're running? Where's <laughs> the about? Full screen. It's for low. Let's see here. Yeah, it's in uh, backgrounds and filters. Video settings, backgrounds and filters. Uh, video filters. I'm assuming. Um. No, virtual backgrounds. It's under virtual. You're looking background. for the blur. Virtual backgrounds. No, I'm not seeing any blur in here. I'm seeing lots of like, you know, like this. I put that in. I made this one. You like that? It's got to be your. Um, it's got to be your GPU then. 
Maybe it's not supported. There's something fishy about this background. <laughs> Oh, is it? This is a good background. <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to Google it. Me too, guys. Have a good night, everybody. Later. Night. I'm open for a while anyway. Everybody's gone for the night? Not gone here, but I'm going to be going back and forth for the next bit.
You're listening to Man Behind the Machine. everything is okay in your in your side uh, it was very sweet to hear your son is very sweet you are into my heart you know you are two one uh, big family of the commodore 64 take care bro the mayachi achi achi My brother to the 64 army, I hope everything is okay in your side. You are okay. Thank you for the friendship. God bless you. I love you very much. It's always good to see you. And when I see your name, I know this is uh, my brother from the States. I hope uh, Trump is uh, controlling it. <laughs>